Welcome to Locked On Cowboys. I am Landon McCool at McCoolBCB, and this is a special post-training camp practice edition, and I have two very special guests who are here to help me break down what happened at practice today. Uh, gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourself, starting with John. How's it going, guys? John Owning. You guys know where to find me on Twitter, at John Owning, and catch all of my training camp updates at sportsday.dallasnews.com. And this is Rabble Rouser, former BTB front page writer. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rabble Rouser, R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And if, if for those of you who don't know, John and I are co-hosts of the Best Coast Boys podcast. Make sure you check that out. We're going to have some great content this weekend from all of the festivities here as well. So definitely check that out. Uh, but gentlemen, we are here to talk about our cumulative... You know, observations of what we've seen so far. We, we've we've seen limited practices, but I mean, there's only been limited practices. So, you know, at this point, we're we're kind of just trying to find trends, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to like see what we see over multiple days and see if there are things trending. So, it's going to be very casual. Uh, I figure the best way to do this is go position by position. Um, so, I think let's start. Let's start with the big Kahuna first. Let's start quarterback. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to mention Darian Thompson. <laughs> John is chomping at the bit to definitely talk about Darian Thompson all night. But we're going to have to refrain. We'll, we'll save that for later. Uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, let me just set the table. You know, there's been lots of talk all offseason about uh, improvement in his game. Um, and there has been lots of you know hullabaloo about John Kitna coming in, changes in footwork, um, and you know what the results are on the field and what they've been in OTAs keeping in mind that we what we've seen from Dak Prescott I know Rabble has been to I think you were at least one of the two of his camps before right because you've been coming to training camp have you been to the training camp with Dak here before yeah I was here last year last year as well yeah. that's right yeah so uh and, and you know obviously John having seen every single snap I assume of Dak Prescott's <laughs> pro career we obviously we have a, a good frame of reference for what a Dak Prescott Passing clinic looks like, or, or uh, you know, a practice looks like. How have you guys have you guys noticed a change? In, and we're just talking about Dak Prescott playing. We'll have a whole conversation about you know offensive potential offensive changes as well. But just quarterback wise, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on? And then let's let's open it up, not just Dak, but but let's talk about some of the down roster guys. Your, your thoughts on Cooper Rush and Mike White? What you seen as well? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely see a little bit of an improvement in Dak Prescott's footwork, and I think that that's had a good effect on his deep ball. I think he's been much more consistent in the practices that I've seen throwing mm-hmm. deep, and I think that's because he's incorporating his full body into it. A big problem last year that we talked about was that he his footwork was so off that he became an only an arm thrower. Mm-hmm. And when you become an arm mm-hmm. thrower, the accuracy obviously goes down. And then now that he's using better footwork, incorporating his whole body to generate that power, I think he's doing a better job of aiming the ball, and especially, like I said, in those deep balls. I have a friend who's um, who's on the field and and sort of you know has a has a, a, a the ability to see smaller little things that we might we might not see. And one of the things he commented on was the fact that um, that Kitna has like a daily list of things that they, he wants to work on. So he's got this whole program for for Dak that's literally like scored out day by day, and he, and it's incredibly detailed. And um, you know he's seen he's seen the two of them work together and, and has, has remarked on. Um, just sort of how detail oriented Kitna was, sort of yeah. surprisingly so. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I would, I would just, uh, other than that, second uh, what John just said, which is that um, he his base is is solid. He's like he's like above his, his legs, and so he's not as you were just saying. He's not an arm thrower all the time. He's you know he, he's uh, he's using his legs. It's help. I think it's helping the zip on his on his out patterns. Mm-hmm. I think it's helping the accuracy on it, even on his short things over the middle on crossing patterns, and it's definitely helping his deep ball. The ball seems to be leaving his hand. Um, he's throwing a nice a nice tight spiral more often, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like his accuracy has improved, and certainly like the, the sort of the force, the consistent force behind his throw. Like we, we we always saw moments of that from him, but his technique is, seems to be more consistent from from snap to snap mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is is that you know. Dak has always kind of had a reputation as being a not a great practice quarterback in the first place, and and 
Were you here, Rebel, in 2016? I no, that was the one I missed. <clears throat> so I, I, when I was when, when I was here his rookie year, I mean his practice, you know, was so bad that I mean none of us thought that he would even get the the third. I mean the second job, you know. I mean much like there was so much competition, and Kellen Moore was here at this point, and so and that, you know Dak was kind of an afterthought. So the fact that he's come in here and improved to such that like practice looks a lot crisper. I mean I I, I noticed the first two days here it just seemed a lot. Like more organized, it felt like it was. We were several day practices in already because it felt like the ball didn't hit the ground a lot. It was like things were just kind of tighter, and uh, you know, I've, I've heard some of the stuff, the critici- the criticisms he's had in moments of downtimes, and even those, like you look at, you know, he missed in a compete period with Tony Pollard when he lined up wide with Jalen Smith, and people were talking about that. He missed mm-hmm. with. Um, uh, my boy Mazel Lawali, who uh, mm-hmm. lined up wide out wide and ran Beat like Joe a wheel. Thomas. I'll tell you what, the thing, the common denominator there is that those are both guys who he probably hasn't thrown a lot of deep routes to. Right. He's having trouble with the with the so the deep wheel route. Well, right, I, to fullbacks. But see, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think <laughs> yeah. it's, it's more just if you watch that, it's more just him. Still getting a gauge on what those fullback runs a nine right now, like so. Yeah. I, I think that's a lot of what we've seen is everyone's kind of hyper focused on 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 how good he's doing because the narrative is that he's done better. I think a lot of what we still need to see is like him in a game because mm-hmm. I mean, going back to what John said and what what you both have hinted at is that you know when he disconnects his upper and lower body. It's it's bad news bears. I mean, he's 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 arming it. It's not happening. The pro the time when he has the most problems doing that is when he's forced to reset due to pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really want to see is I need we need to see more and more full live team reps. You know, uh, scrimmage eventually or uh, uh, the preseason games eventually when they when they gets in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that you know I, I'm encouraged by what I see so far. But it still feels like there's a lot more that we need to see here. Um, let's talk about Cooper Rush because I feel like Cooper Rush has had a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good well, training camp so far. What what have you guys seen from him so far? I think he's really established himself as the number two guy right now. I think he's pretty honestly head and shoulders above what I've seen from Mike White. You're seeing pretty good accurate, better accuracy than I've seen in past years. Especially again on the deep ball, he's hit. Yeah. Up, he's hit him and John Vay Johnson have a pretty good connection on that mm-hmm. deep ball, and that's really impressed me. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, I think he's 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 separated himself. Um, you know, White's like White's actually maybe more impressive in like um, when they're just like doing one on ones and he's throwing one on ones, or even you know when they're when they're just you know r- running seven on seven or something like that. But his processor speed he is just so frozen, slow, man. and he doesn't. He just like he just it just takes him forever to throw the ball. And, um, and obviously, you know, we know from studying Tony Romo, et cetera, that processor speed is, is and accuracy are really the things that make a, a, a great quarterback. So, I, I, th- I mean, Mike White throws a pretty ball. Yeah. And so, and when he's not under pressure or he knows exactly where he's going, he looks terrific. But, man, as soon as they get into 11s, when he's, run, he's running 13 with 11s, everything just slows down and he doesn't let go of the ball and he, and he ends up scrambling. And it's, and it's not because, you know, he's running with a third team and he's no. impre- like he's no. Even when he's allowed time back there, it seems like he's just frozen mm-hmm. at times and, like, he just freezes up. So mm-hmm. that is very frustrating. All right, let's, let's move uh, to the, their backfield mates. Running backs, we can lump running backs and wide receivers in here because, you know, without Zeke Elliott, it's kind of – Really, just I almost look at wonder what we're evaluating here. Outside of Tony Pollard, you know, we're we're looking for a backup running back in this situation, but we're not even sure, like, you know, what Zeke's situation is. So it kind of makes trying to evaluate, like, are we looking for a guy that's going to be our our running back next year, or are we looking for uh, a guy who will come in as an alternate outside of Tony Pollard? And 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 frankly. It, those feel like very two different varied backs. Mm-hmm. Like one, I would rather have Mike Weber, and one, I'd probably rather have Alfred Morris. Um, but let's just talk about what you've seen from them, and, and I guess specifically, let's start with Tony Pollard because he seems to be the guy that is going to have, you know, all, if all things being being equal, and, and Zeke comes back, Tony Pollard is the guy who is the next most likely guy to see the field. So, 
Uh, let's talk about Tony Pollard. What are your thoughts? What are you seeing? More than his play is I'm really excited at the way they're using him. Yeah. They're motioning him out to the slot. They're motioning him out wide. They're getting him matchups with linebackers one-on-one, and those are positions that I think he's going to be really successful and really have a big impact for the offense this year. That's something that they haven't done. That's something that they haven't had guys that can really do consistently yeah. in the past. So I'm really excited just to see that carry over into the regular season and that how that affects the Cowboys' offense and their explosive plays. Yeah. You know, one of the plays you just mentioned when we were talking about uh, throws that Dak ha- hasn't made that people People have been, you know, uh, pining for, t- twittering about, mm-hmm. um, is what one where they did it in the compete period yesterday, where um, Pollard lined up in the backfield and then Jalen Smith was was on him, and so so Garrett basically said the two of them were going to match up, and then Pollard went like sort of went in motion to a slot and then and then ran a wheel, yeah, and and he basically uh, like. Jalen Smith, who can accelerate, <laughs> who can accelerate, uh, was was st- stride for stride, and then he was, and then and Pollard was gone, yeah. and, and, and it happened within a, about a five yard stretch, where suddenly he had a three yard uh, cushion. It was it was incredible. Yeah. He has that and, extra and it was, gear. It, it, it was it was such a it was such subtle work because he made a little bit of a move that that, that, that uh, made Smith hesitate just ever so slightly, and during that hesitation, he was gone. He was it's gone. like he was doing a, uh, like he was pretending like he was going to stop, mm-hmm. like he was going to do a stop route, yep. and then yep. all, all it took was that one hesitation mm-hmm. for Jalen to go, oh my god, and then he just took off. It's crazy because you know, immediately we heard people trying not to say the name Alvin Kamara when, when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a that's a high comparison because of where Alvin Kamara is currently in his career. But if you look at him, like mm-hmm. the way he played in college, his body, I mean, he's he is... He's pretty big. Uh, we talked about it. He is that body size where he can easily be either or running back or wide receiver. He's six foot, 190. He's got that... I mean, he, he you look at him and you, you could easily put him in either one of the position groups and he would, looks like he would fit body composition-wise. Mm-hmm. I think the key has always been with these guys how how they can be used, how they will be used. So, uh, and I think let's just kind of briefly get into that real quick. Uh, you know, you and I had this conversation. And I've been kind of saying it with you too. Condensed formations, pre-snap motion, the usage of Tony Pollard. Do you think Kellen Moore is ramifying? A, an offense that really, I mean, the difference between what the Cowboys are offensively and the Rams are offensively from a schematic point of view is really just mm-hmm. a bunch of window dressing. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kellen Moore is trying to bridge that gap between where the Cowboys were last year and where the Rams were last year? Yeah, I don't think the Cowboys are going to have as robust of a play-action game from under center as Probably the Rams did because that's what McVay is really known for in league circles. But I do think they're they're going to take those nasty splits, mm-hmm. like you said, those bunch formations, those trips formations, the pre-snap motion and all that type of stuff, setting up angles in the run game for the wide receivers to make an impact, all of those type of things I think Kellen Moore is incorporating. And I'm really excited. I tweeted it out today that every day, passes by I'm drinking that more Kool-Aid even yeah. more and more and more because in the past I feel like the Cowboys have shown these things mm-hmm. they've flashed these things but they've never consistently stayed to it and every day that I've been here it's been very consistent of what they've been doing on offense with all of these new things that everybody is so excited about just so I know you guys can't see this but John's got a big blue Kool-Aid stain in his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean I I, I know a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, Jerry Jones was ridiculed for saying that he felt like his offense had the same sort of talent level as the Rams. You know, and I and I actually don't know that that's not the case. I think that actually might be the case. I don't see a tremendous amount of disparity in terms of raw talent. I, I it's, yeah, to me, that's to me, true. To me, the disparity was how those how those talents are deployed mm-hmm. schematically. And uh, you know, I mean, I think that we we, we all recognize there's a, a significant difference last year in in how a, not a widely divergent set of talents was being used. And I think the nice thing about it is that this year we're going to see. That, that gap uh, narrowed. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that, you know, the, the, the Cowboys have, I think, a lot more kind of raw talent in different spots and the idea is that they were bully balling them. Mm-hmm. You know, and they didn't really, the, the idea of kind of constantly, we're going to do what we do well, 
until you can stop us. Yeah. And now it's, it, I think, by just dressing it up simply in, in, the, in some of the smarter pre-snap, and it's not even just McVeigh. I mean, it's more. It's Shanahan is clearly mm-hmm. very much into this as well. And obviously, there's a lot of crossover there because they learned from each other in Washington. But uh, I do think that you know the things that we've seen, the things that you and I talked about, you know, for months on the mm-hmm. offseason about what we would like to see. You know, uh, it it really feels like. You know, and, and, and we'll get it later on on the Best Coast Boys, just as what they call a tease in the industry. Uh, I've been, you know, we've been tracking, with the help of both of these gentlemen here, we've been tracking, uh, you know, formations, person, well, not formations, but personnel grouping and personnel uh, packages, as well as motion, pre-snap motions and pre-snap shifts of all these uh, formations and all these live first-team reps. And, and I can tell you, even without looking at the data too much, I got... The previous year's data for motions and that sort of thing, and I can tell you that there's already been a significant uptick just in pre-snap motion. I mean, like it, they went, I think they were somewhere at like 30 percent last year. They're well above 50 percent on, on these snaps, I would say, mm-hmm. and and, it, and, it, and it's clearly you know something that they're making a concerted effort to. Whether that gets translated to the regular season, that's always a question. And it's really smart. Why wouldn't you have motion when you can ID coverages? It's really one of those things that. Why weren't they doing that more in the first place? Well, do we want to get into this conversation? Yes. Let's, let's have a quick conversation about this. I have wondered in the past if they didn't have the personnel capable of necessarily being moving chess pieces around the thing. Oh, okay. and, I, and, and whether it's Des Bryant or Terrence Williams or whatever, it felt like the focus of the passing game now, uh, Namari Cooper, one of the things that he does very well is that he can do it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? And he wants to do it from and anywhere. And he wants to do it from anywhere. I don't know that Des Bryant... I mean, I just don't know that he ever really got comfortable running the routes out of the slot. And and whether we want to blame the offense, like whether that was an offensive coordinator failing to put him there, mm-hmm. or whether that was a coach knowing the limitations of mm-hmm. his superstar, it just never happened. Clearly, you know, one of the things we talked about when they signed Randall Cobb is the versatility of Randall Cobb is there to unlock the versatility of Mark Cooper. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because I think, uh, you know, Cooper is the kind of the key, and, and I think you know he's been out, out, outstanding out here, just unstoppable in a quiet, dominating way. Um, what other wide receivers have really stuck out to you? Because this is wide receivers to me is where <laughs> this is gonna this this team's gonna have a really hard time figuring out what they how they're gonna constitute their their wide receiver group. Can I ask a question first? Is please, that okay? please, yeah. Is Amari Cooper the best route runner in Cowboys history? I asked that on Twitter about f- three or four months ago, and I, I think he might be. He's the best route runner I've ever seen. I think he might be. I mean, I mean, I, I don't. I, I can't mean, think he's. Of anybody I mean, else. Brad Kelly said what he was the top two route runner in the league right now, mm-hmm. and Brad Kelly is one of the mo- guys well, I trust well, most guys with wide receivers. receivers for sure. I look. I mean, I think as far as route precision. Uh, the the tool belt, as it were, like the, the volume, num- the volume. volume. That's what I mean. Write. Yeah, like yeah. the is. I think it's hard to deny. I, I think you know Michael Thomas is another guy mm-hmm. who could probably route for that. But I mean, but we're talking about cowboy history. Yeah. The Cowboys don't have a, a, a great history of precise oh, route runners. They have physically dominated guys, Michael Irvin, uh, you know, uh, Des Bryant. I mean, you know, Bullet Bob's Hayes is a speed guy. I mean, you know, all these guys were kind of. More the only one that I could think of that was close would be Terrell Owens, Maybe. but I wasn't like but even I wasn't then, breaking down tape back then, yeah. so I can't really. Even go then, back. he didn't run. He was all the routes, yeah, great, and he didn't need to. Like he was a freak of nature as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, and, and maybe I, you could say Jason Witten, you know, if you wanted to go that route. Tight ends, yeah, but I mean, no, I think. I think there's a very good. That's a very good question. I he can't had, think of him. He better. literally has every trait that you need. He understands pacing. He has the top end speed. Right. He knows how to vary. He knows the intellectual game of how you vary your releases to set mm. up other releases. He knows the meta game of the wide receiver DB dynamic. He knows the plays. He knows where the soft spots are in the coverage. He's the same he height and weight as Des Bryant. 
like Which that's the, that's crazy to think about because he doesn't run routes I, like that at all. I was actually talking to Xavier Woods after the more walkthrough, and uh, Machota asked him what makes Amari Cooper so special, and that was one of the things that he pointed out. He's like, people don't talk about how strong this dude is. Huge. He is strong. He's tough to bring down. How many times did we see him last year make yards after the catch because he was breaking arm tackles, running through those type of things? It's funny because you know we traded a first round pick. We you know everyone remembers that he was a first round, but he was like a top five pick. Yeah. Like this is a guy who at one point was thought and it to was be, a unanimous. It yeah. wasn't like anybody oh, yeah. was like no no no. no. He was unanimously knew. the best wide receiver coming out. It was mm-hmm. so like I, I just it's it's fascinating to me how much people seem to be underrating him yeah. in the league. The right one now. interesting thing is I don't know if you guys remember from the Raiders. Everybody talked about how bad his hands were. Yeah. He talked about how bad, and he did struggle with drops, but it seems like there were more concentration drops. Yeah. Here, his hands have been, to me, fantastic. Yeah. I've only seen one play where Mm -hmm. I thought he could have come down with the ball, but really it was like, it was crazy impressive that he even got his hands on the ball. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, we'll just go around the room real quick. Amari Cooper as advertised, oh, yes. for sure. Yeah, I mean, just... Uh, exceeds all expectations. Yeah. Jeff Cavanaugh, I mean, just to plug another show, Jeff Cavanaugh, <laughs> who does a great YouTube show now, too, you guys should check out. Uh, he's been charting the wide receiver. He's, he stopped mm-hmm. charting Amari Cooper. Yeah, it's... Because he's won it's every round. Yeah, he was, he was charting, just to be clear, he's charting the wins on during the one-on-ones. one-on-ones. Yeah. And he, he stopped doing that because he wins every time. I it's, mean, it's so unfair, these one-on-ones, when a cornerback doesn't have a safety help. He doesn't oh, yeah. know how to play his leverage right. Yeah. You're just asking to get sure. turned around yeah. by Amari Cooper. It's, it's, you, it's, like, it's unfair at first. There is probably yeah. maybe one or two cornerbacks in the entire league who can cover him one-on-one. Maybe Jalen Ramsey can cover him one-on-one. Maybe. 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 Any other person, you put on one-on-one, no safety help, they stand no chance. But even, especially in that scenario. Yes. Especially in those yes. one-on-one scenarios. Who else has caught your eye? I mean, I think we, we, you know, we obviously mm-hmm. Cooper is the headliner, but mm-hmm. I feel like the depth on the team is is really good considering mm-hmm. the fact that there wasn't a ton of investment outside of uh, Gallup being a third-round pick. I've been impressed by Gallup. I think he's really made an effort to be to be more detailed in his routes, mm-hmm. and I think his hands have been really reliable. But as you guys know, the guy who I've been most impressed by is John V. Johnson, mm-hmm. the undrafted free agent. I think he's really made put it in his favor to make this team. I think if the, if the Cowboys had to make cuts today, he's going to make the team, and I think he can legitimately make an impact with his ability, his speed, the ability to stretch the field. And he's just really impressed me. His hands have been consistent. He's been able to make catches in traffic, which has been really impressive for me, despite being kind of a smaller receiver. And he's made an impact. I think the thing that separates him from Guyton, another guy that's gotten a lot of pub, is that he's winning routes intermediate. All different levels, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what's really impressed me. What about you, Rob? I I was going to say the same thing about... about, um, Gallup, I, I, you know, the, traditionally the, the narrative always is that, you know, players take the biggest leap between their first and second years. So there's several guys who, you know, came in as rookies last year that we've kind of been looking for this from, and he's probably the most important of those just because of the position he plays and what and how important, like, advance advancing the passing game forward and making it more explosive this year is going to be for the success of this team. And he really came on as the end of the season he did. came on. He like, did. That Rams game may have been his best game. He did. And, and you know, the reality is, if Dak hits him on two or three of those long passes where they were all, there were those almost, and he would have he would have had, you know, uh, that's another seventy yard arguably, touchdown. Arguably one, yeah. of, arguably one of the best rookie years in Cowboys history, yeah. and may, may have you know would have been the top a handful of rookies, et cetera. So you know, he already he had a very a very solid season. I would say I would say the same thing that, that John was just saying. I think uh, I'm impressed most. I mean, there's there's sort of three guys, right? Three yeah. rookies who are. Uh, who are looking interesting? Um, and you mentioned two of them, and the other is the, that the kid from Georgia. Yeah, um, he's actually a first-year player, Reggie yeah, Davis. Yeah, Reggie yeah. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess new, new to new yeah, to new the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah sure. um, And all three of them um, have flashed, have shown some nice speed, have been able to win win uh, you know routes impressively in, in you know diverse situations and taking reps of the first team and taking reps of the first team yeah I mean it's like Tavon Austin had a vet day today mm-hmm. and so you know we, we saw all three of those cats getting getting some reps 
Um, it's, 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 it's interesting. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier today before practice started was the, the, the year when both Sam Hurd and Miles Austin made the team as UDFA wide receivers. And we could easily have something like that happen again where we actually have a double dip. It's, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, I, I think that was me because I was yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, tight ends. Let's talk about it because I, I think, you know, obviously the, the story, the pub has gone to, uh, to Jason Wynn, his return. I think he looks sort of like a different player, really. Leo Del Beckham with I his mean, one-hander. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Put I put some respect I, on the man's name. I only, saw, <laughs> I only saw that through a crowd, but that catch was incredible. And and that's, you know, to me, that's where, I mean, so many people ask, you know, what kind of impact did this guy make coming back into, into, into the team? The red zone. I think he's going to be an incredible red zone weapon. And I think he showed that today. I mean, not necessarily maybe five yards out though obviously he can do that as well but when you just get inside the red zone he you know he is still completely able able to get open on any linebacker any safety even if just for a second and that's mm-hmm. all it takes in the red zone so mm-hmm. uh, he has obviously been the headliner but please let's talk about because we've, we've ta- everyone talked about Witten. let's talk about some Jarwin and some Schultz uh, either one of you guys pick one of them and let's talk about it real quick I I've always been a big fan of Dalton Schultz, and I it, the two days since I've been here, he's impressed me both days. You were talking about how you saw him ragdoll oh somebody in on a block, and then today he was getting open deep and making plays mm-hmm. in the passing game, and that's the element that we're missing from him. If he adds that element to make an impact in the in the passing game, he's the type of guy who could be a legitimate number two tight end for the Cowboys, or even maybe a number one down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, that means I get to talk about Jarwin, and I'm I'm happy to do that. We we were actually talking. Uh, Within the last couple of days, about uh, the Jarwin in some in many ways re- represents or, re- or resembles, excuse me, Gavin Escobar mm-hmm. because he's sort of tall, long limbed. Uh, he seems to you know he, he he looks like him when he runs a little mm-hmm. bit, and then obviously he's got the same number. Same number. Yeah. And, and so, um, but but in some ways he's, he's like Gavin Escobar. If Gavin Escobar had been everything that they imagined he could be when they scouted him, because mm-hmm. it feels like. Um, you know he's dangerous down the seam. He's he's obviously you know a receiving first kind of tight end, but uh, seems to have really grown into his own. He's winning. He's like you know he's destroying linebackers when they when they you know when they do one on ones. Like those guys really can't really can't cover him. And I think he's a you know he's a really nice kind of. He he balances out the other two guys you guys have just talked about right. So so. Witten and then Schultz obviously is going to be like the, the sort of blocking tight end. If and when they go in short yard, Schultz is probably going to be in there. Um, and then and then and then Jarwin, you know, it looks like he he's poised to become a kind of like deluxe receiving tight end. Yeah, uh, and it's exciting because you know I mean like. Last year, it was very clear when the tight ends were, were, were working, he was the most athletic and smooth of all mm-hmm. of them. But that athleticism and smoothness is like matured, like mm-hmm. a fine wine. And it's just, <laughs> and it's just, it's just it's, he's so smooth. Um, and he's, you know, he's just, he's, that smoothness is, is being welded with confidence now. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing the little nuances of route running better. Yeah. You're seeing him yeah. doing better shaking, shaking yeah. defensive backs at the top of routes. I think he's doing a better job disguising his true intentions. And I mm-hmm. think that's the reason why he's been able to create so much separation from these linebackers. Because people forget the Cowboys have some of the best coverage linebackers in the league. Jalen Smith can cover. Leighton Van Der Esch can cover. Joe Thomas was a cover-only guy mm-hmm. from the Packers. Mm-hmm. Sean Lee can cover when he's there. Justin March Lillard is probably the most athletic guy of the bunch Mm -hmm. so the Cowboys don't have a shortage of coverage linebackers and he's beating them all yeah yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive the tight end group actually may be a lot stronger group than people realize they may not have a a, like a clear guy who's like an obvious like number one but but they've got there's a lot of useful guys you know I mean enough to the point where 13 personnel is not something they shouldn't not consider at times because I feel like you could bring all those guys in condense them and then Spread, shift them out, and see how they coverage, and mm-hmm. go from there. The irony of all this is that is that this dream of twelve personnel that we've played with for like forever no, now yeah. might finally actually, <laughs> actually wish it because he retired and came that's back. So mm-hmm. funny, that's true, but it's true. Um, let's finish up with offensive linemen, and uh, and we'll move on quickly to the defense. I, I think you know we're still kind of trying to figure out how Frederick's doing. I think Frederick's still trying to figure out how Frederick's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I I'm not as concerned about that because I think the key there is 
he got his strength back. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the rest is just kind of getting him in pads and figuring it out. Like, it, Sitter is such a cerebral game that I feel like as long as he's got he's you know reaching his records, he'll figure out the rest of it. Um, breaking news that I I feel like I can <laughs> announce. Uh, uh, good friend uh, Mike Fisher uh, has has indicated uh, from uh, Cowboy sources that the MRI that Zach Martin got. Uh, was not a serious issue. Team will be precautious, but it looks like uh, this was. And, and, and Mike kind of indicated before that he saw Zach walking around. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there was too much. I think yeah, I noted at the at the walkthrough when he wasn't with it. He he. I thought it was just a vet rest day because he was talking. He was mm-hmm. laughing around with the guys. He didn't seem like he was particularly hurt or anything. He wasn't like holding his back or yeah. anything. So I was actually really surprised to hear that he had a back spasm issue. Yeah. So maybe, again, they're just being overly cautious here. So that's always good. But let's talk about just the rest of the group as a whole. I mean, what you've seen, who stood out to you. We'll start with the first line, and then we'll quickly kind of talk about any backups that uh, you guys may have noticed. I mean, Tyron's Tyron. Yeah. I mean, he had that one snap against Dorrance Armstrong, but I think that was more of a phenomenal rush from Dorrance Armstrong. We'll get to really, yeah. really poor that Tyron Smith did. And he's just shutting Robert Quinn shit down on the edge. Yeah. He, Robert Quinn's trying to work that cross up. He's trying to win with speed around the edge, and he's just, Tyron Smith is too long. He's too strong. He's too quick. This isn't a Quinn thing. Yeah. Everyone's been trying to, like, say. Yeah, everybody, hey. I've, there's been, people are, are murmuring that, oh, maybe Robert Quinn's not the guy. You're going against Tyron Smith every day. <laughs> yeah. You put up any other defensive end in the league not named J.J. Watt, and it's going to be, it's not going to be a good day for him. Yeah. Yeah. So even Demarcus Lawrence, guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Who just gave a whole bunch of money yeah. to. Like he struggles with Tyron Smith. There's a reason why he's rushing against Lyles Collins all the time and not moving over to that left side. I mean, I remember off. his rookie year. Demarcus Ware struggled with rookie Tyrants <laughs> at the time. So I mean, and that was back when Ware was fully Ware. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I feel like Tyron Smith is going to be just mm-hmm. fine. Uh, Rabble, who who's who stood out to you? Well, I, th- I would say, uh, I mean, particularly today, but in general, my greatest fear for this team is that the the, the offensive line is not going to s- step up and improve on last year's version. Mm-hmm. And last year's, ver- I mean, obviously, last year's version was missing Travis Frederick. But we are all three in agreement. Just you're in a safe space here. Yeah. We all agree that the offensive line was not good last yeah, year. Yeah, and and I think um, was really the the, the, the problem. Um, yeah. In some ways, the, the the root problem for all the other offensive things sure. that we're talking about yeah. that led to like coaches not trusting plays developing, and I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of other attendant issues that I all agree. started with the, the fact that they didn't think that they could trust their rookie left guard, mm-hmm. etc. But um, you know, so there's been a lot of talk out there about Connor Williams bulking up and the fact that he's got you know he's actually got the size to anchor. He's a lot stronger. He he got beat pretty badly yeah, a bunch I, of times. Today was today. a bad day. Today was not and a good day. He was much better yesterday. He was. He yesterday was. he was sh- he showed and an anchor against, yeah, yeah. he showed a good anchor against Malik Collins a couple of times. He sat down on Tristan Hill a couple of times, a guy who's yeah. been really powerful. But today yeah. was just a bad day. Today, he, he got just beat had four a tough or five day. times. I will I will say this. We may need to table that conversation for our defensive line because I think we need to have a conversation about Malik Collins, mm. and I think we will get into and, this. And it's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, it's going to be a, <laughs> yeah. a lot so more fun. The, the the things about the offensive line that were worrisome last year, uh, I haven't seen enough to think that they're not s- still questions. So ba- so basically, uh, I, I mean, because Connor Williams had good days and a bad day, uh, because. I've seen really good snaps out of Leo Collins, and I've seen not so good snaps out of Leo Collins. Those, to me, are the two sort of weak points that are mm-hmm. real question marks. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't seen enough from either of them in this very yeah, very small we're, sample. We're, yeah, everything's to, trends. Like to we ease said. my, yeah. you know, my uh, anxiety about what the what the problems could be with this offensive line. I feel probably a little bit better than you. Um, but I also saw a couple. I've seen more wins. I've seen him do more wins, which would uh, obviously Connor. help. Yeah, for yeah. Connor, which yeah. would make, uh, help ease my conscience there. Uh, I also think that, I mean, he won uh, uh, one of the golf carts for the offseason right. award, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a clean 320. Like, I mean, he and he looks. He's notably good. big. Yeah. He's not the smallest guy on that line. No. And, no. and, and so now he looks, and, and, and I'll tell you what, there were two or three different reps where he did the, and as Yuma calls it, the Martin Bowback, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and it, 
worked on Collins and like you know so I it, it's there has been some good to, to with the bad today was not a good day for no, for, no. for uh, Williams but I mean, again I think a lot of that could be because of a guy that we are going to be excited to talk about here in a little bit so let's talk about the defense and actually let's start with the defensive line that's a good spot um, you know Demarcus Lawrence is not here Robert Quinn has been you know, going against Tyron Smith. So, you know, and he's also, because of he's a vet, he's been, you know, alternating vet days, that sort of thing. Outside of that, they've still had a lot of wins and they've had a lot of production out of their defensive line despite that, which is pretty impressive considering who they're going against. Who are some of the guys that you, uh, I mean, that you've seen? Well, obviously, we need to talk about two of the guys that we've already mentioned by proxy with the. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong and Malik Collins. So let's let's talk. Let's start there. Yeah. Do you want to take Malik Collins and you can take Dorrance? Sure. Yeah, I think those are the two guys that have been the most notable to me in these first two practices. They're both flashing a lot in one-on-ones, and they're carrying that over the team, which I think yeah. is a really big thing. There's a lot of – you'll see a, at a lot of these kind of practices, you'll see guys that win on one-on-ones a lot, but they can't carry it to team, and mm-hmm. both the guys have carried it to the team. So uh, Malik Collins – I really love that he's had a consistent power element to his game. That's something that he's flashed in the past. He's had some good bull rushes when he kind of catches alignment off guard when they think he's going to be attacking one of the edges. But now I see him using it and creating pushback consistently. Even if he doesn't win, he's getting that pushback. And that's something that he didn't get in the past. And I think that's only opening up his speed game. He's been winning a lot with his spin move, something that he uses all the time. We've already seen it be very effective. I'm really excited to see what he can do this year because if that power element stays consistent to the season, he doesn't get those knick-knack injuries that he gets every year. I think it's no question he's going to best his career high at five sacks. I agree. And, I, you know, you just said knick-knack injuries. And I wonder if his, if his particularly his foot injury, was, was significantly more than just a knick-knack injury. I mean, if you, I had some friends sort of point this out. If you watch him on film, like there are times last year where he was actually trying to, like, Drive with one foot. Like yeah. He was favoring his foot, so so he was basically a one-footed player at times last year. And those foot injuries. I mean, yeah. it doesn't I mean, really matter, especially if you're when a, you're a three hundred. Yeah, pound guy. but I mean, but even if you're not, like mm-hmm. it feels like Dez really never recovered from that foot injury that he got. Mm-hmm. And it feels like when they're bad and you don't give them time to come off the to like actually heal up. It just never really gets right, you know, until they get actual way off downtime. And, and there's like these tiny little bones, in, yeah, they're the size of chicken wings, in your in your or smaller in your foot, and that's the source of your power. And that's and that's where he keeps doing it. Yes. He keeps getting on the outside of his foot during mm-hmm. these bag mm-hmm. drills, and that's what it keeps reaggravating it. So, I, I you know, obviously he needs to be careful during the bag drills, but if he can keep his foot, you know, intact. Yeah, then, uh, and when he plays with, when he plays with power, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, this is a guy. Let, let's keep in mind, this is a guy who missed almost all of training camp his rookie year, and then still came in and put up five sacks. Outrageous five sacks for a defensive tackle, a, a rookie? rookie. That's ridiculous. In yeah. fact, I think pretty jo- Joey Ikes had done that study that like only like two or three other defensive tackles mm-hmm. had ever done that. I so, think Aaron Donald only had six sacks as rookie. Yeah, year. so it's not an easy position to transition to. The defensive tackle is not a position that necessarily got a ton of sacks in general outside of people named Aaron Donald. So there could be big things in his future. All right, let's talk about Dorrance Armstrong real quick. What, what are your thoughts? Do you want to start there, Rob? Sure, I'll start. Uh, I'll, I'm going to hand this off to John, though, because he's the expert. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would just say that, you know, we st- we began to hear whispers even before training camp started that one of the most improved players was Dorrance Armstrong that we really should we should really watch out for him because he was he was uh, vastly improved and I think you know there was he did some really great things early last year and then kind of kind of mm-hmm. tailed off a little bit um, but I think he's beginning to, to, to sort of fulfill that promise. Uh, you know he's winning consistently. He shows a really nice blend of, of speed and power, and speed to power, and mm-hmm. power to speed. You know, yep. and he can vary it up. Um, he seems to have added some other moves to his repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk more about the sort of technical, um, you know, nuance and minutia mm-hmm. of that because obviously one of the reasons why he's winning is because his, his technique is probably mm-hmm. has improved, as, as I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about. But it's been, it's been impressive to see the. Uh, the the way in which he's capable of winning of winning um, sort of the the aperture of that open yeah. up you yeah. know I think the only thing you really need to say for his game is he beat Tyron Smith clean yeah Tyron Smith does I haven't seen Tyron Smith get beat that clean in a, even in a game since Chandler Jones did I think last year or the year before he hit him with the inside swim move yeah. Sublime, yeah. But 
the way Dorrance Armstrong is stringing together his moves yeah. to counter their mm-hmm. offensive lineman's movement is something that he didn't do last year. Last year he was kind of a one one move rusher. If he hit that move, he'd win. He's, but if he didn't, he'd stall out. He's got a long arm to swim mm-hmm. inside now. That works. He's he's, he's got that spin. counter spin. Yeah, the that counter really... spin was beautiful because he mixed it with a chop. Oh, with the uh, club chop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as he was doing that, Tyron thought, okay, he's doing the club chop. I'm going to push him around the edge. But then he used that momentum of Tyron trying to push him around the edge, and he just counter-spinned off it, and it was it was gorgeous. I haven't seen a rush that sublime in, pre- in situation. Oh, it was just amazing. Yeah. It, it was like pass rush porn for me. I was I was going crazy on this. I was like, oh. I was like, you know you're not supposed to be like that. And you were the only one with the defensive line yeah. that were going crazy. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It yeah. was yeah. It just was mind blowing. You don't see those type of things with Tyron. You know, he's just so maddeningly consistent Mm -hmm. that he doesn't get beat, and it just so incredible. It's so it's such a great sign. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's such like to be able to beat Tyron that way. You know, and think about what that does for the defense as a whole. Then you got Demarcus Lawrence, you got Robert Quinn, Randy Gregory comes back. We know he can win with that speed. And then you have Dorrance. You got four deep that all guys that can rush and that you can keep them fresh the entire time. That's going to pay huge dividends in the fourth quarter. And then you kick Tyron Crawford, Tyron Crawford inside. Now you've got three deep of defensive tackles. We don't have Tyron Crawford on the practice field, so let's talk about one last guy before we move off, Tristan Hill. Tristan Hill, to my eyes, has been, uh, I mean, the rookie flash player, right? Mm-hmm. Up, down, up, down, up, down. We need the the kind of the rhythm of it. We need to, to kind of even out a Flat, little bit. A little compression, compression yeah. and compress it a little bit to a little bit more kind of an even sine wave maybe. Uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, it's – you know he can do it. Mm-hmm. You know you've seen him go in there and have good reps against good players. So and and you're like, okay, this guy's got it. But he needs to be consistent. Mm-hmm. I think early on it was uh, dealing with the speed, the pace of practice, and dealing just uh, getting up to the speed of the NFL. Uh, and I think now we've seen him. I, I mean, I feel like he had a decent day today. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on, on Tristan? Hill? I think the biggest positive with him is he's improving a little bit each day. Yeah. The first, the, I've only been here two days, but I've seen incremental improvements from day one to day two, and that's really intri- really pleasant for me. And But the one thing that I think about him is he is a very high-variance player. We talked a lot about a bit pre-draft is he'll have plays where he – Burst through the backfield, he'll knife through, make a tackle for the loss. And then the other one, he's ending up on a ground with a double team. He has the, he still has that issue where his base gets too narrow, and then he is able to get knock, knocked off balance by angle blocks, down mm-hmm. blocks, you know, all those type of things. If he can clean up his footwork, his base be more consistent, he is powerful at yeah. the point of attack. When this guy yeah. unlocks his hips, people are moving. Yeah, And he's showing. He's also showing good hand technique. I saw a good uh, club swim move from him. I saw him attempt a, a spin move. These are all really positive signs for him. So I'm hoping if, as long as he keeps making those incremental improvements, I think by the time the season comes around, you'll have a guy that can be a really effective rotational defensive tackle for the team. I mean, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of press about uh, the fact that Rod Marinelli called him the caboose, and then mm-hmm. Marinelli, you know, commented recently, well, he's not, he's not the caboose anymore. Yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's, he's, on his way, he's on his way to the dining but car, he's not, even though yeah, he's, he's not, not there yet. <laughs> and I think that's right. I think that's right. And to me, one of the things that's keeping him, so I mean, you know, what, all the things you said, absolutely right. Uh, in terms of his variances up and down, but like in in some ways, like one of the things that, that you notice when he's doing the bag drills is, like his he's doing one thing that's really good with his mm-hmm. with his with his arms and doing another thing that's really good with his legs, but they're not working in yeah, concert yeah. at all. So he, he he's not going to be able to fully realize his potential until, mm-hmm. until he can more consistently have his feet and his hands working together and just in the, tandem. The go off of that that's the reason why you see him drift wide on mm-hmm. these bags. And the reason why you don't really want to drift wide is that you're giving the offensive lineman room to to relatch his hands to to get back into room the room to operate. Yeah, mm-hmm. room to operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you put these offensive line an NFL offensive lineman in a bad situation, you can't give him any room to recover because he will recover. And that's just something like Robert Weber was saying that Tristan Hill needs to clean up. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move off of defensive line, I want to make sure that we have a conversation quickly, Daniel Weiss and and what he's done so far in practice. I, I you've mostly been working with the third team, but just quickly, I mean, we all agree, right? It's mm-hmm. time for him to start getting up to some other higher levels of competition. See what we got in this guy. Yeah, that, been intriguing too. He's played defensive tackle and defensive end. I've seen him playing wow. both spots, so it's been and he's been. I would say he's actually weirdly had more 
success against the tackles in one-on-ones, hmm. which is interesting. But I see the quickness from him, which is really impressive. He's showing really more advanced hand technique than I thought he had based off his pre-draft tape. But again, he's doing this against the third team guys. I want to see him do it against the second team, maybe even get a couple snaps against the first team guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's where we'll find out what, what he really has. All right, moving on to linebackers. <laughs> I mean... What is there really to say about Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh? I think it's the most stacked position on the entire team. I, I think it's the most stacked position in the NFL. It might be. You might be right. I mean, I, I mean, I think. Look, I mean, it, it's. I don't feel like it's too hyperbolized to say it because you you think Sean Lee. I mean, as as your third linebacker, Joe Thomas, who you and I have talked about, mm-hmm. is just incredibly underrated by mm-hmm. by a lot of people. And then who's, what a, what a like, guess Justin March Lillard. Yeah, I mean, really, it seriously is. I've like, been really impressed by Justin March yeah, Lillard. Yeah, he had a really good play yesterday where he really ghosted. He used the the Von Miller ghost technique where you give him the high hand and then you dip under. Yeah. And he dipped under and got to the tackle. That was really impressive because that's something you didn't see from Marchelet. Really, he's the type of guy that when Lyman impeded his progress, he was done. It was over. And now he's doing a good job shedding blocks. He's making an effort to shed blocks. Hopefully that continues into the season. He's obviously a good special teams guy because of his speed. So I think this is a guy that if maybe Jalen or uh, Leighton, knock on wood, don't want it to happen. If they get hurt, I'm very comfortable with playing Justin Marchelet or Joe Thomas in their place. Yeah, absolutely. Anything on the linebackers? I mean, it's like it's just so positive that it's hard to kind of come up with stuff. No, I think it's the I think it's the best linebacking unit in the league, and, and as you said, may, very well maybe if not the most deep unit in the league, one of the you know. Top also, four or uh, five. one name to know that Garrett has been raving about in the walkoffs has been Luke yeah. Gifford. Yeah, and Luke. he was running with he was rotating with uh, Christian Covington with the first team punt today in the walkthrough. So that is really intriguing. A guy to keep. Keep your eye out for it through the yeah. prey season and training camp and see if you just keep hearing his name. Lots of people keep hearing his name. In the, I keep hearing his name in the wind a lot, so which means that lots of people are saying it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree. That could, that should be a name we should all pay attention to. Uh, defensive backs, you know, despite, again, sort of like the defensive line, despite no Byron Jones, this is a unit that I feel like has done a really good job. And I think that the difficult thing with training camp in general is that you have to be able to, uh, and, again, my brand, you have to be able to provide context because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these drills are terrible for evaluating defensive backs because, like you said, the one, some of these one-on-one drills, they don't have safety help. There's no, there's no full team coverage. It's impossible to mm-hmm. cover a wide receiver for seven seconds if there's no pass rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but despite that, uh, I think that there's been several different standouts uh, on the defensive backfield. Uh, let's just go around. Everyone just grab one. Who do you? The guy that's impressed me the most has been uh, Mike Jackson. Yeah. The cornerback out of Miami. That was my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's just. I've been really impressed with his ability to jam and really trace the steps of the receiver on downfield routes and stop routes. It's been really impressive for me. He's a type of guy that I actually thought coming in that maybe Chris Westry can pass him up mm. as a guy on the on the depth chart, but Mike Jackson ain't having none of that. I no. think he's arguably been one of the top four corners. That's that's high praise. I mean, considering the thing that that would definitely get him on the team. Who, who's do you want me to go first, Rabble? While you think about it, no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think that I mean I'll talk about two guys just real quick. I don't know how I can knock them out. Um. I think both Chidobi Awuzie and Xavier Woods. I mean, Xavier, Xavier Woods has been the guy that everyone's everybody talking is about. is labeling him the breakout candidate. And and, and and Woods to me was breaking out at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's I I, to, I I was watching tape and we were talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like his play at the end of the year was already started to get there. Um, so this is not surprising that it's great to see that he's even seemingly taken another step in that direction. And talking with people with the team, just a little tidbit, is the reason why the Cowboys didn't go after Earl Thomas is because they were so excited about Xavier Woods. That's right. Yeah. He's been showing that he's going to break out for some time now. They were really impressed with what he did last year in his first year under Chris Richard, and then through the entire offseason, he's just... Every check mark, he's just marked it off. He's working hard. He's in the film room. He's getting better intellectually, physically. He's. I'm. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. He's going to get his hands on some balls this year. I agree. I think he's. I think he's going to be a player. Chidobi. I just wanted to, to chime in. I mean, because Byron has been uh, out, Chidobi has been basically 
uh, public enemy number one for the wide receivers. And I feel like, you know, at times he's really held Mm -hmm. his own. I think that he's had some tough assignments against Samari Cooper. It's not exactly an easy cover. And again, we talked about, like, these drills are already set up for the wide receivers to have success. And then on top of that, you add Amari Cooper to the equation. It's a pretty tough uh, task to handle. But I feel like I've seen him get his hands on on balls. I, I feel like he still is doing a great job of... One of the things I love about him is that even when he gets beat, he's there. Like it's not like he's he's never being run off the ball. Like he's he's competing. He's he's making the wide receivers work for catches, uh, and he's physical too. And I think that that really goes a long way for you know disrupting what the wide receivers trying. He to also do. run, jumped, and hit his head on the crossbar. So that shows yeah. how insanely athletic he is. That's totally that's nuts. A, Bill uh, Bill Jones is saying that's a forty eight inch running vertical, which is n- n- nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, this is the kind of athletes we're dealing with. So so who'd you come up with, Ralph? Well, you know it's funny. Uh, yesterday, one of the best plays of the game of, of the practice yesterday was uh, a defensive back um, made a terrific terrific play, and it was number thirty. I was like, oh, who knows number thirty? <laughs> And I was like, and I, and I was like, oh, that's number thirty. Uh, this is uh, who's this rookie number thirty? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then I was like, oh, geez, that's Anthony Brown. Yeah. And he's like the forgotten guy. Like he, he but he, you know, he's just he's just so consistent. He's and, and, and you know he he's he can like you were just talking about Mike Mike Jackson uh, can do a, a lot of different things, right? And, I, and Anthony Brown just can do a lot of different things. And I um. <clears throat> So I'm reminded, you know, like he's just like rep after rep. He's he's solid. He's solid. I think he's growing into one of the better slot corners. I think in the so. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Um, and that's how that versatility really helps mm-hmm. him in that position. And then the last guy, again, I think a lot of what he's doing would probably not fly because it would get flagged. But like pound for pound, the biggest dog on this team is Jordan Lewis. Yeah, that no, dude. If I, honestly, if I was, 100%. if I, if I had to fight. Tyron Smith, could pick one dude. I might pick Jordan Lewis. To come, to come <laughs> I, I, I guarantee he won't back down. No, he I won't back down. You, he won't you, back have, down. you have to knock him out. Yeah, he, right. he, he'll keep fighting until until he's knocked and, out. And he's one of those guys too, where uh, you know I feel like he's been really good and then not so good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been a little bit inconsistent, but the highs have been really high. You know, like he's been re- like he's been uh, physical and, and, and at the times like I think he was Jeez. 3 for 3 in in one ones mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before. So, yeah, he's just really competitive and, and really knows how to, to just drive on those guys and, and get in their face and disrupt what they're doing and, and you know, he's got an eye for the ball. too. that's mm-hmm. the other thing. And maybe as more much as anyone on this team uh, as defensive back, he has an eye for the ball. And one more, if I can, one Please. more interesting nugget about the secondary that I, f- I found really interesting is that it seems like Darian Thompson has a very yeah. big leg up over George Iloka for that kind of backup free safety, strong safety position. And what I found really interesting is when you're asking Xavier Woods what, what who he sees as competition on the team, he specifically met, mentioned Darian Thompson. He didn't mention George Iloka. So oh. I, it... It really seems like they're gearing for Darian Thompson to make this team. And he's also a guy very good on special teams. He's very athletic. That was his main calling card. He yeah. just struggled in coverage in his other stops. And I'm intrigued to see what he does in games. These kind of contexts, these environments, it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to evaluate safeties unless they're making really game-changing plays like Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. But... I'm really intrigued to see what he has. Donovan Wilson's another guy that I really haven't seen much of, but I'm excited yeah. in games to see what he does. Yeah. I think the safety position as a whole is a is a position where you've got to evaluate their game. It's like more the, than their practice. It's like running back, you mm-hmm. know, because you can't really tell anything about running back because no one's really tackling. Yeah. So it it it, it feels like there is a lot of mm-hmm. collision that needs to happen in order to kind of get a good evaluation. Speaking of good evaluations, guys, this was fantastic. I really appreciate that. Um, guys, make sure you're following these guys on Twitter and all their work. Let's plug real quick. Rabble Rouser, spell, spell how you spell R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. John. John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. And that's it for me I, at McCoolBCB. Make sure you're also following Marcus at Marcus underscore Mosier and the at Locked On Cowboys. And until next time, happy trails, everybody. <laughs>